Welcome to the Elevate Together podcast, voices of change in the business of law. Hello, this is Nicole Jantonio, the Chief Marketing Officer at Elevate. The podcast episode you're about to hear is part of our next Normal Leadership Series, featuring Elevate's Chairman and CEO, Liam Brown, talking with Senior Director, Associate General Counsel, Head of Legal Operations at Intel, and the President of CLOCK, Mike Haven. Liam and Mike discuss the different areas of life that require leadership, the value in followership, and balancing proactive strategic work with reactive tactical work. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining the podcast. I'd like to talk with you today about the different dimensions of leadership in law from your point of view. And so to start us off, could you first introduce yourself to our listeners, let them know what hats you wear and how you came to find yourself sitting in the seats or wearing those hats that you wear today? My name is Mike Haven. I'm the head of legal operations at Intel Corporation. I'm a lawyer by trade. I practiced law for about a dozen years before going in-house to start this fascinating new journey in legal operations. And it's become my passion. And so getting more and more into it, I became involved in the largest legal operations peer association in the world as well. And now I'm the president of that organization. It's called Clock. And here we go. Pretty exciting. When we prepared for this podcast, we talked a bit about personal leadership, team leadership, department leadership, and Clock ecosystem leadership. What do each of those categories mean to you? How do they intersect or interrelate? How you think about success in leadership in those categories? It's a great question, Liam. And there are so many elements of our lives that intersect and that require leadership. So for example, like you, I'm a father and at home, I'm along with my wife, a leader of our household and we're raising children. And I don't know about you, but I think that's the hardest job I've ever had. So there's personal leadership involved there. And then you get to the home office these days and you have leadership responsibilities at work. At Intel, I have a team of 22 people who I lead. They are in my charge and I have to take care of them. Leadership in that sense is really about inspiring and motivating them to accomplish our goals, setting goals, setting a vision, and tying what they do every day to that vision so that they understand the impact they're making on the organization and how they are valued by the organization is another very important element of leadership. Going beyond that, in my role at Clock, I have the responsibility of working with people to bring the ecosystem, the legal ecosystem together so that we can make progress as an industry. So there's the personal level, the organizational level, and then the industry level. They all tied together because if things are going wrong at home, I might not be as effective in my day-to-day responsibilities for Intel. If things are going awry at Intel, I might not be able to spend the time I need to lead clock. And so everything is tied together and we have to pay close attention to every single element. You touch on something there that's interesting, which is relevant as you think about how you bring leadership to others. And that is that they intersect. That intersection can sometimes be positively reinforcing. And it can also sometimes be 
in competition or in conflict with those responsibilities of leadership. How do you balance or integrate those? And how do you deal with setting success up or think through success, knowing that you simply can't be all things to all people all the time, including to yourself? That's another great question. We can be so hard on ourselves. One of my challenges throughout life that I've always strived for perfection. And there's no such thing as perfection. You can't be perfect in really any sense. A lot of us have this problem in that if you're writing an article or you're preparing for a presentation, your goal is to nail it and get it perfect in your mind. But you can be too hard on yourself. And that takes away from your ability to lead in all dimensions of your life because you're too singularly focused on perhaps one task, using too much time on that task. And so it's really learning to do your best within an amount of time that you set for accomplishing that particular part of your day. Like you, my day is packed every single day with back-to-back meetings. You know, sometimes I'm able to block out time to actually get some work done. None of that is going to come out perfect. We do our very best and we move on. Yeah, this concept that good enough is good enough and being able to stop at that point is a really important discipline. Somewhere along the way, you had to find or learn that good enough is good enough. And there's a personal reputational element to that. Early on in people's careers, there is this sense of, I just have to get an A or I have to get 98%. And when the reality is, is that later in our careers, there are moments where we have these sort of fortunate lessons along the way of when I deliver this to a point that gets the outcome that we need, I don't need to process this any further. And it's actually okay that I move on and don't spend time polishing the cannonball. You touched on leading the team to make a difference. That difference has to be noticed. If you keep on pushing or processing or perfecting, you're burning cycles on something that people don't value or people don't really notice the marginal improvement. When you sit down with your team and you talk about the goals or the impact that you want the team to make, as a legal ops leader, how do you talk to them about what makes an impact, what makes a difference, how to make sure that that is noticed or valued by the organization that your department serves? You want to avoid getting past the point of diminishing returns. You want to get to the point of peak value and then move on to the next thing. There's a big difference in an organization and particularly relative to legal operations between how you manage that for reactive work versus how you manage that for proactive work. What I mean by that is a legal operations team is always going to have to have some element of reactive service. So for example, there's a problem in one of the teams around a process and it needs to be fixed ASAP. And they come to the legal ops team and say, okay, we need your help with this. We've got this problem. Helping them solve that is a reactive task because they're coming to you asking for help. More and more these days, legal operations teams are expected to be strategic. And they're expected to be proactive in how they solve problems for the organization. And in that case, it can be a lot harder for the teams to understand what that North Star is and how it ties to the strategy of the business 
and what impact their role has in reaching or moving closer towards that North Star. As a leader, it's really important to make sure that they understand how what they're doing every day ties into the larger strategies. Getting them to understand how their work makes a difference, it opens up the window for them to see and be clear about what they need to do to add value and hopefully stop where they reach that peak value or at least not try to be perfect beyond that particular point, tying it back to the original conversation we were having. When you say you want to add value, we want to add value. We want to contribute to our department strategy and we want to contribute to the company strategy. How do you go about not only reinforcing the things that are clearly adding value, which I suppose to some degree might be about measuring that and reporting on that, but also have the right amount of talking about the things that don't add value? I know that no one likes talking about waste in law, but I think it's a real thing. And sometimes you end up talking to people about things that they're passionate about or they care about, but people around us don't. And I think that's one of the hard topics as a manager to surface with your colleagues or your team. Hey, these things that you care about or these activities, they may well have actually been valuable in the past, but they're not what we need to do going forward. And this may be a little bit more about your personal style. Throughout your years, how have you found the importance or ways to have those conversations so that people really do focus on things that make a difference? That's a great point. People don't talk about it often. Waste in legal, it's something that clearly exists and something that we have to deal with. So one of the ways to do that is to at the end of every year or in some regular cadence, everybody on your team, make a list of not just the things we're doing or should do next year, maybe set some goals around things we should stop doing next year. And then sit down with your team and look at everybody's lists. Talk about why we should stop doing it and then have a discussion about it. And inevitably, you're going to have somebody on the team saying, but we've always done it that way. How are we going to stop doing that? That opens the door for the opportunity to explain how we can do things differently. There is an emotional element to this as well, isn't there? Because sometimes people really do wrap up a lot of meaning in the rituals almost of what we do. We think of ourselves as somehow personally valued, connected, defined by the things that we do. And so when we say maybe we should stop doing something, it can be perceived as well, you don't value me. So maybe it's better to frame it as how should we do things differently rather than stop doing it, meaning the work you're doing isn't important or it could be perceived as the work you're doing isn't important. Maybe it should be framed as what should we do differently? And then that insinuates that the person is still valuable, but needs to shift to a different way of doing something. The person is still valuable, but the task might not be. You touched on strategy. How do you think about timelines or time horizons? You talked about the difference between being reactive, which I imagine is much more immediate time horizons, and being proactive, which I imagine have longer time horizons projecting into the future. How do you manage time horizons in the context of being reactive, proactive, inside the frame of strategy. And especially as someone who is relatively new leader in the company you're in, though you are an experienced leader in the industry or the ecosystem that you're in. If you think about that exercise you did in middle school, where you have a bunch of large rocks and a bunch of different size rocks, you have to figure out how to put them all in the jar. 
which rocks do you start with? You start with the big rocks because then you fill in with the little rocks and they fall into the cracks and it kind of all seems to work that way. Whereas if you put the little rocks in first and then try to fit the big rocks in, it doesn't work. I think that was applicable to so many areas of life. Strategy for legal operations teams is one of them. If you think about your proactive strategy, those are your big rocks. Those are the things that your GC wants you to achieve over time. What you do is you create a plan. I like to do it in the form of a single slide roadmap that is really easy for my team and all of my colleagues to understand. Say it has a few big swim lanes, optimizing external spend, improving processes and technology, speaking with data, three big swim lanes where you're going to make big progress for your company over the next, say, three years. Those are your big rocks. And those are the things that your team has to be focused on all the time because we have to be making progress. The reactive stuff, those are the little rocks. We have to fit those in, but we have to fit those in not at the expense of our proactive strategy. So it's a matter of leaving some bandwidth, knowing that you are going to have those reactive problems to solve from time to time. In some organizations, they're just simply used to the legal operations team being a reactive organization. So it can be really hard to make that shift from a reactive to a proactive legal ops team because it might be harder to fit those big rocks in. So you have to turn it on its head and you have to be bold enough to tell people, look, we are not a glorified help desk. We will get you the help you need, whether it's us doing the work or us going to an ALSP and getting some extra support or whether it's us going to our IT team and getting support from them, we will facilitate that and we'll make sure your problem is solved. But we have big things going on. And it's really important that everybody in the organization understands what those big rocks are. When I first joined Intel, one of the first things I did after going on a listening tour and creating my strategic plan was I did a roadshow. And we tried to reach everybody we could in the organization so that they would understand what those strategic priorities are, what those big rocks are. So they know what we're doing. And when they come to us for reactive support, which we still welcome, of course, because that's part of our jobs and always will be, they understand that we have a lot going on and we are potentially going to have to find creative ways to source the support to solve your problem, whether it's in our team or somewhere else. What I like about that is that connects to sort of the human reality of bringing people along requires telling stories. So you were saying about how you, after you had your listening tour and you developed your strategy, well, then you told the story. People can get behind that. But if you talk to people only in terms of just what the measurements are, and I admit I am one of those people who does worship a bit at the altar of KPIs and metrics, the purpose of where we're headed, people can get behind that. It's the big rocks, as you say. I I really like that. How have you found, perhaps how do you feel the legal ops profession generally has found legal ops big rocks amongst their law department colleagues, law firm professional peers, and the business generally? As you well know, we're still early in this profession. 
you're very familiar with the history of how the legal operations profession is evolving. And in my view, we're still early in that evolution. And it's over the past 10 years, we've made a lot of progress in all of those areas you just identified. We have work to do to get people to understand what we do, why it's valuable, and the impact that we have on our organizations and the industry at large. We're starting to see a large percentage of companies and legal departments adopt the legal operations role. And we've made a huge amount of progress there. The companies are beginning to understand the value of it. And the value of it isn't as much in the reactive as it is in the proactive. And I think that they're starting to finally see that within the organization. The law firms are a step behind. They're starting to get it too, more and more of them. It's taken a lot of time for them to understand, what do you do? Do I just call you when I want to increase my rates? Who are you? But now we're starting to see them coming to us first about more strategic ideas and things that we can do to work together to improve the relationship for both sides. We still have work to do. We still have a long way to go on our journey. And I imagine you have the same thing with the business. Back in the day, I used to think of my relationship with our law department as, hey, can you help me when I have a problem? Now, when I think about a business problem that I need to solve, what help do I need from our people organization? What help do I need perhaps from our engineering organization? What help do I need from our legal organization? And it's not rear view. It's what do we all need to do to work together in order to design and build where we want the business to head to in 18 months or in three years. I've got to assume that as you have successes in legal ops, successes in the law department improving the future of the business, the business starts to understand, just in the same way you're talking about your law firm provider partners, I've got to assume that you're also seeing the business moving from, I only call the law department when I have a problem to, I want them to help me design where we are going in the future. In a big organization like Intel, we have group councils, essentially the attorney representatives for various businesses within the organization. I see the role of legal ops as helping them to shine with their clients, helping our GC to shine at the executive leadership team level. And helping people behind the scenes, giving them the ammo they need to go out there and wow all of their clients and peers. It depends on the organization, whether people in the business are coming directly to legal ops. It doesn't happen that much for me in this organization right now because that's not something that I'm focused on. I want to help everybody else within the legal team shine. That doesn't mean we don't work directly with the business ever because we do. One big space where that's happening is contract management. And there are others. Really, my focus is on making our team shine. I think people who lead other functions would say the same thing. I'm very aware that a tremendous amount of success is based upon the tools, the methodologies, the information sharing, all the repurposing of content or knowledge. I use sales to make the point. Sales operations has clearly become a thing. And I think we all take that for granted. And I think that's the same thing I expect to see with legal operations. You're helping to arm them with knowledge, but you're also arming them with bandwidth, creating space by making processes more efficient, taking things off of their plates that they really shouldn't be focused on and helping them open up bandwidth so that they can dedicate more thought, more time to 
the really important questions that they were hired to answer. Which goes to the point you made earlier about the things that we should stop doing. If we focus on activities that aren't value added, that then frees cognitive space or attention space to be able to work on the things that are valuable. When things don't go according to plan, how do you respond as a leader? And then how do you think leaders should respond? Well, I'll conflate the two answers because I try to respond in the way that I think leaders should respond. Not perfect, (laughs) never will be. But what I strive for is when something goes awry or not according to plan, stay calm because you have to set that calmness for your team. And if you start panicking, they'll start panicking. But if they're starting to panic and you're calm, then they'll kind of gravitate towards how you're handling it. You have to stay calm, be thoughtful, take some time, think about an approach to the solution. And then without too much time elapsing, let your team know what your suggestion for a solution is to fix whatever it is didn't go right. And then suggest how you're going to pivot. Because in what we're doing, the space we're in is inherently chaotic to some extent, because we're agents of change. Change is hard. We have to be the type of people who are okay with things not going perfect, the type of people who enjoy the thought process involved in fixing it and pivoting to go another direction. You need to have a a legal operations team who has that mindset too, first of all, generally. But as a leader, you just can't get too worked up if something doesn't go exactly how you planned, because that's just the nature of our business. So staying calm, being thoughtful, communicating with the team where we're going from here and ensuring them that the sky is not falling we're all going home tonight and we're all going to be with our families and the important things are still there. You know, I always tell my team, you know, work is important, but it shouldn't be like higher than like the third most important thing in your life. Your health is more important. Your family is more important. To some people, their faith may be more important. Whatever it is, there are things above work in your life. We're here doing our best and we're going to keep going. We're all good. You talked with me once about the importance of patience. I can't remember exactly how you explained this term that you used. You talked about being able to work on things that take some time to unfold. Question about when things don't go according to plan. How do you encourage people to work not only through these difficulties in the moment, but over time towards a impactful noticeably difference-making that typically requires change. We are a Grovian culture at Intel. And for anybody who's read Andy Grove's classic book, High Output Management, they'll know what I'm talking about. Andy Grove was a very structured leader and he believed in OKRs, objectives and key results. You have long-term OKRs and then you break those down into shorter-term OKRs. It's like going up a flight of stairs. You're taking steps towards that next floor, so to speak. Having that broken down into smaller goals helps people understand what they need to do next. And they also understand, it's our job to make them understand how each of those smaller or shorter term goals fits into the longer term strategy. If you miss a shorter term OKR, If it doesn't happen for some reason within or outside of your control, you can push that OKR 
And it doesn't necessarily impact the overall longer term OKR. For example, if you have to push a goal that you had for the end of Q1 to the end of Q2, and that was just one step in a process that's going to get us somewhere two years from now, we can make up that time. These goals aren't always going to be met. We set audacious goals. We would rather have an audacious goal that we fall just short of than an easy goal that we barely exceed. If somebody doesn't hit a quarterly goal exactly, we'll talk about why not, what we can do to get back on track. That happens. That's part of the process. Most of the goals get hit. Every once in a while, they don't. And there are good reasons for that. Just because you're not hitting a short-term goal doesn't mean you're derailing our long-term objectives. So here's a bit of a curveball. People often talk about leadership. What is it to be a leader? But people rarely talk about followership. When you think about it, we can all understand why anyone would want to be a leader. But why would anyone want to be a follower? Why might you hope people might follow you? I think following is about learning. There are so many people out there who I admire and I follow. You're one of these people, Liam, who I admire and respect. And whenever I get a chance to talk to you, I learn from you. And so I'm a follower. The people who can really influence other people in a positive way are treasures in this world. They are helping you to learn and move forward in your life and in your career. It's really important to take from the lessons of others. There is a lot to learn from people by following them. The second question, why would people want to follow me? Good question. I think if I have something to teach them, whether just knowledge that I have or by example, if I have something to offer other people that they can learn from, that means that I've done my job. Anybody who can learn something from me, reach out to me, have a cup of coffee with me, and we can talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. I just took on a mentorship at NCCU. We have a great partnership between Intel and NCCU, a historically Black law school. And I took on a mentorship of a second year law student. In some sense, she follows me. Hopefully, I have something to teach her. Clearly, you're putting out a lot of positive energy by stepping into a community or professional leadership role beyond what you're doing at Intel. Well, firstly, I know how that can be incredibly demanding. It's risky. People do watch and they see what you say. They observe how you act. They look at the results that you achieve. I think it's brave and kudos to you for doing that. This has been a really interesting conversation to me. We don't get to talk very often. When we talk, we talk about work-related things. And while these are work-related, this is almost about the sort of the meta of the work that we do. And this has been a really fascinating conversation for me. I hope it's been an interesting one for you too. Absolutely, Liam. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Tune in to the next episode of the Elevate Together podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and elevateservices.com. Oh, 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 oh,